Reignite on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it. We back it. Now, our next guest is known as a trust pioneer, a change futurist. He's the author of The Trust Economy and Reset, Rethinking Our World and Creating a Different Future. Joining us from Singapore is Philip Christian. Good evening. I think it is there, Philip, at the moment. And welcome to Reignite. Tell me, you've been thinking a lot about the resets and a lot of people are intuitively experiencing it at different levels, personally, professionally over the last 18 months. And you believe, you know, in terms of companies and businesses that there's two types of companies emerging from COVID. Type A have seized the opportunity, transformed. Type B did the bare minimum. What do you think lies ahead for the type A versus the type B company in the future? Right. Welcome and thank you for, uh, for, for joining. Um, I'd like to begin, I guess, with this obvious point that exponential change is hard to imagine because even an explosion in the first nanoseconds is only a tiny change. So ultimately what we're noticing now is that this reset and especially the difference between what I would call type A and type B companies is initially perhaps hard to discern. Yet the difference here of what lies in store is that the companies that are currently being proactive about the pandemic, understanding the human significance and the role and purpose that they're playing in it will ultimately um, do much better in five, 10 years time, not just today. I like to think that as humans, we're sort of elephants. We remember who did right by us, uh, especially in the last year and in this year, um, and who didn't. So I think that's the plain point there, um, because business isn't just about continuity anymore. It's not just about the transaction. It is about much more than that. And the type B companies are missing out on those things. And so the, the type Bs who maybe didn't look after their people, who didn't maybe just do some of the natural, caring, human things, what, yeah. what awaits them in the next five, ten, ten years? Well, I think that, um, of course, on the one hand, um, people are realizing and coming to this awakening that business is about humanism. It's about ultimately recognizing that, you know, a lot of things get lost in transaction, right? So when we are simply transacting with each other, can we really truly be our best selves? Can we be the happiest? Can we make the most of the diversity of the world, our rather global world of business? And the answer is obviously no. So if we do want to be, um, using, for example, the exponential stores of productivity inside our brains. And if we want to nicely intermingle them and interweave them with the technology that is promising us, you know, exponentiality on every step, um, then we would perhaps want to be going down a direction of, of, of embracing this um, change in mindset. And it is a change in mindset. Um, because right now what we're seeing is the pandemic is affecting companies um, globally to the extent that productivity seems to be dipping. People say they're working longer hours and usually they're getting paid the same. So clearly something interesting is happening. And I'd like to think that companies that are reactive will only ever, you know, achieve a certain mediocre outcome at best because they're just reacting to something that's already there. But what about the things that aren't there yet? Yeah. Yet they're probably in our heads and hearts, you know. So that type A company that is clearly proactive, yeah. it's had a change in mindset, it's constantly evolving. That requires transformation. But transformation has to start with people and critically leaders at the very top. Anne O'Leary talked earlier about creating the sense of followership. Yeah. So to lead is really to have people follow you. And it starts with leaders top down. 
Yes, yes and no. I think to lead first and foremost is to collaborate and to understand that only when we're all facing in the same direction and realizing that as humanity, all of us want to be happy and all of us want to live on a peaceful planet. So our interests globally, universally are aligned. As a leaders, we are realizing that and we're realizing therefore that collaborating and playing a positive sum game is better. The problem is in executive development, most of the time you see the pyramid thinning at the top. So the higher you go, the more frustrating it must be to be competing all the time. And yet that seems to be the default. It is only leaders who go beyond that, who leap beyond that, who are actually realizing that, hey, um, if we really want to be, you know, both well and fulfilled and do a great job transforming our organizations, yes, we as leaders must be changing our own way of thinking and doing. And I like to point this back to the center of gravity of each of us, which is who we are. Um, of course, if you as a leader want your organization to be transforming to something better, you first have to be challenging and transforming yourself. If you stay the same and you just say basically you other people have to change but I'm going to stay the same, how credible is that? Then you're, you're basically forfeiting the biggest opportunity a leader has which is to be leading by example and to be showing and demonstrating that transformation is actually much simpler than we often come to think it is. And those leaders are constantly yeah. building trust and in a way that is transparent. And you believe that we've ultimately been through and are still experiencing what you call a trust revolution. And we now have this trust economy today. Explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I actually like to think that this global health epidemic um, was actually a distrust epidemic, um, you know, down below or call it pandemic. But the point here is more the fact that under the surface, we have been mounting distrust. We have been kind of including more and more checks and balances, you know, over time, people have sort of unlearned how to trust each other. And in a corporate systematized environment, you know, it seems like the logical way to do things. But the problem is that that's like kind of taking factory line thinking where, you know, everything's a system, everything's a process into an algorithmic world. It's a little bit like trying to beat a supercomputer with an abacus. It's just going to be a really, really strange and also bizarre endeavor. Because if you have this situation as it is right now, um, if you're encouraging distrust, you're basically missing out on the biggest opportunity we have ahead of us, which is human capital. And that, of course, enables you know, us to use technology to the best possible uh, degree. Why are those connected? It's very simple. Because the thing with trust is, is that you know, it initially feels like a personal thing. But the reason humanity is successful is because we build trust bridges with other people and we do so at scale. So when we're diminishing trust at scale or when we are creating more and more friction at scale for this trust to be attained, we are actually losing out on productivity. We are incurring opportunity cost. And because opportunity cost is visible, you may not notice today, but in five, 10 years time, the difference between those who realize this today and those who don't is going to be light years. But where's the balance? Like we're living through a moment that has required, you know, a lot of compliance and, and checks and a sense of accountability to each other in this moment of a global pandemic. And yet here in Ireland at the same time, we're still reeling from a, a cyber security attack on our um, health uh, uh, systems online. So 
it's different generationally, isn't it, in terms of the, the levels of trust we have and probably where levels of trust sure. are now at in our institutions coming out of this pandemic. I think it's a very good observation and I believe the mindset of compliance must be transforming towards looking at it as an outcome. You know, when you're grasping that compliance is an outcome, you free yourself up to think about different ways of attaining it. And the classic model is a top-down model. It's a few very, very smart schooled eyes watching over every one of us. That's your classic management model, even for the pandemic, right? A few people make the rules and then some people enforce them and everybody else follows. But think by turning this around, how much more effective it would be if everybody could be trusted to contribute to the greater good. You know, if there was a social contract unilaterally that we're all going to ascertain the right things happening, it would be so much more uh, seamless. And ultimately, that is perhaps how we would turn a classic cascading compliance model into an agile one. And frankly, humanity has done this for millennia, for as long as we exist. In social settings, we very successfully self-govern. And I love to use the example of culture there. If you go to Thailand, I guarantee you 100% of the cases you're going to be greeted you know, with folded hands because it is ingrained in the culture. Yet no Thai citizen ever signs a legal contract at the beginning of their life, you know, kind of agreeing um, for punishment, if they don't do it, to be sort of greeting people that way. It is cultural. And so we see that social contracts and culture can be actually 100% compliant and can enforce compliance as an augmentation of rules. I'm not saying you've got to get rid of rules. I think we've got to use our social fiber just as much as we're using the systems of so-called enforcement. Can I ask you finally and briefly, Philip, you've described yourself as an internal optimist. Um, are you still optimistic after the last 18 months for the future ahead? I'm extremely optimistic because we are currently rehumanizing the world and we are actually moving from a state of, you know, 18 months of surviving perhaps to a state where we can truly be craving a sense of thriving. So I think that the best and worst states of humanity and of people are on autopilot. We're either flowing or we're diminishing, but the messy middle as you describe it, right, that's sort of the state of in between. And I think if we can make that state as thin as possible, we can perhaps emerge from what I would call a swamp of context and adversity towards, you know, walking on a rope that actually is pointing us into a direction of um, our own reset. This is about rethinking how we collaborate, rethinking how we work together, but okay. also very much rethinking how we understand ourselves, our own skills, and how we imagine our own future. So this is about us giving us a chance to reset ourselves. Okay, well, thank you for that optimism. Uh, Philip Christian, author of The Trust Economy and Reset, thank you so much.